Good morning. Happy New Year. Not quite yet, but that's going to be our focus for this morning. Since today is the last day of 2023, I thought it would be appropriate for us to focus on the new year of 2024 that will start in a few short hours. You know about the traditions of making resolutions concerning one's goals for the new year. But there was another tradition in some churches called watch services. Has anybody ever attended a watch service? I see one. Okay. All right, so let me give you just a brief history. Moravian churches, it's a Protestant denomination from way back, but they started watch services, which has as its main focus on one's covenant renewal efforts for the new year. Now, Moravians, originally located in what is now Czechoslovakia, had the reputation of being one of the first Bible-believing Protestant denominations almost a hundred years prior to the Protestant Reformation. Moravians were active right here in North Carolina in the Piedmont area, and there is, that was back in 1753, but today there is still an active Moravian congregation in Winston-Salem. Covenant renewal. It was their term for what we would describe as a New Year's resolution to address and reaffirm one's commitment to a biblical faith as one experiences new chapters and new and deeper directions in one's faith life. Almost 100 years later, there was another dimension that was added to the watch service. It appeared in 1863 around New Year's Day, which was a historic day for former slaves freed by the Civil War. While the fighting had stopped months earlier, the official day of freedom for slaves was scheduled for January 1st, 1863. And so throughout the uh, settlements of black Americans, believers began a watch service on the evening of December 31st, which was designed to count down to midnight and the beginning of a new chapter as American freed citizens. And so here again, we see a new chapter and a new direction for those newly formed former slaves here in America. So with that historical background, I see my purpose this morning on December 31st, 2023, to focus on a similar theme of spiritual renewal resolutions for 2024. So, spoiler alert, I know it's only not even 11 o'clock in the morning, but trust me when I say I'm no plans to keep us here till midnight. So I just hope that you can take some of the message today and maybe apply it later on this evening uh, in the midst of all the fireworks and everything else that usually happens at this time of the year. So here's how I want to proceed. First of all, I want you to get into a mindset where you're focusing upon your personal spiritual renewal life for 2024. I don't want you to listen to this message about generic resolutions that we all know pretty much never make it past January 31st. 
I want you to seriously consider your spiritual life this morning as it exists on the last day of 2023, and I want you to ask yourself, what is my spiritual life going to look like in 2024? And to help you, I'm going to provide an example of the personal experience of spiritual covenant renewal by using a text written by one solitary biblical character who wrote one short biblical solitary epistle, the epistle of Jude. Jude had a very unique spiritual renewal experience to which each of us can relate. And so I'm going to break this message down into three sections, which I'm going to call, no surprise here, New Year's resolutions, one, two, and three. Number one is, will you be opening a new chapter in your spiritual life in 2024? Number two, New Year's resolution, will you be traveling in a new direction as far as your faith life is concerned? And number three, New Year's resolution, will you be deepening a new relationship, spiritual relationship in 2024? So my main point is going to be simply this. During 2024, how is God calling you to spiritual covenant renewal? Is he calling you to start a new chapter in your faith life? Is he calling you to go in a different, new direction in your faith life? Is he calling you to enter into a new or deeper relationship with him, Jesus, in your life? So we're going to start by reading. We're going to read from Jude. So if you start at Revelation and go back, you'll find it a lot quicker. Jude, it's only 25 verses long, but there's a lot in there. So there's... Uh, Bibles underneath your seat in front of you or right underneath you. And if you didn't have a Bible, you're welcome to borrow it. You're welcome to take it with you as our gift for your spiritual renewal efforts in 2024. <clears throat> so I'm reading from the ESV. If you don't have an ESV Bible, that's going to sound a little different. But Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother, of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved people out of the land of Egypt, and afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay with their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he is kept in chains, under gloomy darkness, until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the 
surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, they serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, they blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. They're destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them. For they walked in the way of Cain, abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, Swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also said about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loudmouth boasters showing favoritism simply to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Just want to put in a, a little sidebar here. There were some things as I was reading that you're probably wondering, what was that all about? And probably those are the things that I'm not going to be talking about this morning. But of course, you have the, the number on the screen, 94,000. If, if you have a question about anything that you heard me read from this epistle, 
um, please send it, and uh, we'll address it like we usually do at the end of the service. Okay, first I want to use Jude to introduce us to New Year's resolution number one, opening up a new chapter in your life. Why Jude? Why did we, why are we using Jude this morning? Well, because Jude had a new chapter in his faith life that gives us a significant lesson about our own faith life. You see, the man who wrote the epistle of Jude, according to verse 1, was a brother of James, who was a leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with the book of Acts, you know that there were two James in Acts that acted as leaders of the church. The first James was the disciple, James and John, who led the church until he was executed by Herod. Then stepped in this James, the brother of Jude, who became the next leader of the Jerusalem church. Now we know from Scripture that this second James was not only the brother of Jude, but he was the brother of Jesus, which makes him, makes Jude the brother of Jesus. So James and Jude, both brothers of Jesus. You'll see their names together in the Gospels, such as Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, also known as Jude, and Simon? Some believe that he's referred to in the Bible as Jude to make sure he wasn't confused with Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. So here's where we're going. For a number of years, Jude had a chapter in his life entitled, My Life with My Brother, Jesus. Unfortunately, that chapter could not be titled, My Life of Faith in My Brother, Jesus. You see, Jude was an unbeliever living in the home of Mary. Shortly after uh, Jesus addresses blasphemy, as the unforgivable sin in Mark chapter 3, Mary and his brothers arrive on the scene to take custody of Jesus because they believed that he was actually mentally unstable, not the next Savior of the world. And on another occasion in John chapter 7 verse 5, John says, for not even his own brothers believed in him. That was the chapter my life without Jesus as my Savior. However, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we see that Jude and James had a new chapter of faith in their lives written by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 14, we see that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were in the same upper room with the 11 disciples were occupying after the death of Jesus on the cross. And that tells us that at some point after the death of Jesus and before Pentecost, or at least by Pentecost, Mary and her sons, at the very least, had heard from eyewitnesses about the resurrection of Jesus or even were possibly present in that upper room on the occasions that Jesus visited his disciples. Once Jude believed in the risen Christ and everything that meant for sinners, 
he started that next chapter, that new chapter in his life, my new life in Christ Jesus, my Savior. And so, here's what's important about that. Jude was an unsaved sinner. Jude didn't get a break because he was the little brother of Jesus. Jude did not get a break. He was a sinner destined for hell until he met and submitted to the risen Jesus Christ in a personal decision of faith. He didn't know before the resurrection, but after the resurrection, look what Jude says he believed that he was called by God, that God loved him. He believed that he was one of the elect chosen by God's grace to have his name, Jude, written in the book of life and that he would be kept as a believer until his brother, Jesus, returned. Jude is the only New Testament writer to refer to his secure relationship with Jesus by using the word kept. So Jude's story of faith is important for us to consider this morning, the last day of 24, as we think about spiritual resolutions for 2024. He's important because who he was, what he didn't believe for a while, and what he did believe at the time that he wrote this letter. Very few of us have a chapter in our lives entitled, My Life with Jesus. Most of us have two chapters at least in our lives. One is my life without Jesus, and the other chapter, by the grace of God, is my life with Jesus. So if you are currently living out the chapter in your life entitled my life without Jesus, at least for right now, would you please consider this Jude story of his life and look at 2024 as the year the Holy Spirit writes a new chapter for your life. That is my life with Jesus. There's not enough embarrassing, shameful things in your life to date that can keep you from having a new chapter written in your life. How could your chapter be worse than Jude? His mother believed in Jesus. The people around him believed in the miracles of Jesus, believed in the identity of Jesus. Thousands who heard the teachings of Jesus testified to the truth of his identity. Yet Jude did not submit until he actually saw his risen brother, Jesus. So that could be your reality today. The history of Jesus proves, the Bible proves the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He really did rise from the dead, indicating that God, because of the sacrifice life of Jesus, has forgiven every sinner from Adam and Eve to Jude to you and I sitting and worshiping in this sanctuary on the last day of 2023. What reason could there possibly be to reject a chapter added to your life that talks about how you were saved from sin and hell by Jesus. Not a chapter written as fiction, but a chapter that could truly be a, a part of your real life 
story. Now, for those of you who on this last day of 23 are saying to yourselves right now, well, I, I, I have a chapter in my life called the new life in Christ, and I fully intend to continue to live that chapter out in my life in 2024. I still would invite you to follow the example of these Moravian believers who used this last day, year of their, of last day of their year to simply take a moment and renew that commitment to God and his covenant with you. Renew that commitment that he has with you today. Go into 2024 and look to see how another chapter of how Jesus is writing out your life of faith. Maybe your new chapter of life is going to be about becoming a parent for the first time, or the second, or third, or fourth, or fifth. Maybe your chapter is going to be how you've become more of a biblical spouse than maybe you were in previous years. Marriage, if you've been involved in marriage for any length of time, you've learned that it's not just one big chapter, our life as married. After 34 years of marriage, Diane and I have definitely moved through more than a few chapters in our marriage. In fact, sometimes I think we're in volume two, maybe even three right now. But keep your eyes open as you go into 2024 and see how God can write a chapter in your life, currently a believer, but in 2024, a different kind of believer? And in what way? So that takes us actually into the next resolution. For 2024, can you see yourself traveling in a new direction as far as your faith life is concerned? Now this kind of builds on the chapter, the chapter of life that Jude had, and I have illustrated how direction works in a believer's life before. As a sinner, I am moving away from Jesus but as a repentant believer in Christ, I am moving in the opposite direction, closer to the footprints that Christ has put in my life. Peter is our best example of the direction of one's life. Famously in, in Matthew, Peter grabs Jesus and says, no, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me. Can you see visually what just happened? Peter is pulling Jesus back from the direction he's going in. Jesus is going in. Peter says, get behind me. And he puts Peter behind him. Now what direction is Peter going? The direction that Jesus wants him to go. Following, following him. That could be our story in 2024. If we look at Jude's life with the same perspective, we see that Jude made a complete turnaround in the direction of his life. As an unbeliever, he was headed away from Jesus, from the life of his brother. And we pointed out a couple of examples. But we can also point out this. The absence of any mention of the brothers of Jesus throughout the three years of Jesus' ministry, other than the two that I already mentioned. Even though Mary was in attendance, Neither Jude nor any brother are mentioned at the wedding of Cana. They're not mentioned as part of those that were gathering the leftovers of the feeding of the 5,000. 
Jude is not mentioned as being in the boat during some stormy night ride on the Sea of Galilee. And most significantly, who does Jesus give custody of his mother to from the cross? Not one of his brothers. It was John, the disciple. But then came Jude's encounter with his risen brother Jesus. Though scripture doesn't specifically detail out that meeting between those two men, but it must have been a come to Jesus moment for Jude. Because we see his direction is changed. He's with those disciples who believe in Jesus as the Savior in the upper room. We never see Acts mention Jude as going with Peter or, or Paul or Barnabas on some missionary trip, but this letter indicates that he was in Jerusalem supporting the ministry of his brother as leader of the Jerusalem church's ministry to share the gospel. That's a new direction for him. For me, it's these 25 verses that give us the best indicator of the direction of Jude's personal spiritual life. In verse 1, he describes himself as a servant of Jesus. Not a brother, but a servant which shows his faith has submitted to Jesus Christ as his Lord. In his greeting, he echoes the same encouragement that we see both in his brother James's letter, as well as letters by Paul and Peter, that they were servants of Jesus Christ. In verse 3, he mentions his original intent to write to this audience about their common salvation. He shares their faith in the same Jesus as the Savior. But to me, one of the biggest proofs of his new direction is the major subject in this letter. He writes about false teachers that have infiltrated the first century church. He is defending the faith that in his pre-Jesus days, he would not have been inclined to do. That was in the past, however. Here he uses the word, a military word, contend, which basically means to embrace the enemy in battle, to strongly emphasize his direction of following Jesus and a new purpose in his life to fight for the truth about Jesus. In this letter, he is fully prepared and committed to identify those who are in error about Jesus and those who attempted to deceive others to follow their error. Isn't it ironic that he could easily have remained an unbeliever and become one of these false teachers in his unbelieving days, but he doesn't. That direction in his life is now towards the truth of who Jesus is, to him personally and to the world. There's something that's close to a direction in a, purpose, in a person's life, and that is their purpose in life. And that also could apply to you as far as 2024 is concerned. Jude had a new direction, but he had an urgent purpose. Why warn believers about false teachers? Many people today will say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what you believe. It just matters that you believe. Just so you know, that's a lie, that's a deception, 
Or they may say something along these lines. If that's what they choose to believe, that's their choice. I'm just going to stay in my lane. That also is a mistaken notion that we should abandon. Jude's new purpose, mentioned clearly in verses 20 to 23, denies doing any of that. He encourages the believers to stay away from false teachers, and if, he have, if, you, if a person had the opportunity to do so, to convince others to follow a different path of faith, a truer, more biblical path of faith. And as Jude unpacks his new purpose, he warns his audience of believers against religious teachers, false teachers. Look how he describes them in verses 12 to 13. He talks about hidden reefs. Paul talks about shipwrecks as far as people of the faith is concerned. He talks about shepherds feeding themselves. He talks about waterless clouds, fruitless trees, wild waves, and wandering stars. You could easily apply any of those descriptors to false teachers today. They still are active among us today. They still want to influence you to follow a different direction in your spiritual life. So as you take a deeper biblical direction in 24, Jude is warning you to be on guard against those who would dissuade you from the biblical truth that you know right now and lead you down their path of deception. On the last day of 2023, one appropriate prayer is to ask for the kind of biblical wisdom that you're going to need in 2024 to recognize and avoid the lies. Think about it. What led Adam and Eve to their downfall? It was deception on the part of Satan. What does Jude identify as one of the greatest threats to the church of the first century? It was deception from false teachers. After 2,000 years, what's the most common threat against the truth of our beliefs, especially here in America? With over a 1,000 denominations in this United States, it's false teachers. Jude is petitioning us this morning, as well as his audience with the same plea. So one new direction that you should consider is this. What can I do in 2024 to better position myself to recognize false biblical teaching, to warn those that I see being deceived by false teachings? If you look at verse 23, you see how high the stakes are. By you becoming a more discerning believer, you could, Jude says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. So on this last day of 2023, I want you to see yourself at a crossroads. You have a choice to make today. Regarding the direction and the purpose of your life in 2024, you could go to the left, backwards, and travel the same path that you traveled in 23 not making any changes in your spiritual life that will close the distance between you and a more biblical life of faith. 
You can leave your Bible unopened just as much as you did in 2023. You can attend church just as little as you did in 2023. You can continue to be uninvolved in the life of your church as you were in previous years. You can even indulge in the same worldly behaviors that you might have done in 2023. But again, let me remind you, that's going backwards. That goes away from God, from Jesus, and a life of faith. Or you can go to the right. Take a path that will bring you to a more authentic, more biblically purposeful life. Two weeks ago, Brian, in his story, his sermon about Mary, the mother of Jesus, demonstrated a New Year's resolution that she made that day when the angel visited her. The angel tells her that she's going to have a new chapter in her life called the mother of the baby Jesus. And how did she respond? With obedience. She took a step closer to be that person. I am the Lord's servant. Let it happen to me as you have spoken. But you know, maybe a better way to describe direction in our lives is not to think about right or left, but rather to think about the direction of your spiritual life in terms of depth. You can be just as shallow in your spiritual life as maybe you were in years past, or you can choose a direction in your spiritual life that will take you even deeper than you might be today. An even deeper level of what the Bible means. How many of us have actually read the letter of Jude before today? Or a deeper level of what it really means to be a Christian. What it means to be deeply loved by a gracious, merciful God. Isn't that the way to describe love, true love, in terms of depth? Nobody wants a shallow relationship with anybody in their lives unless they're morally, spiritually shallow themselves. True love is never shallow. True love is always reaching deeper and deeper into the sacredness of the love that God has given to us, whether it be a savior to sinner or spouse to spouse. That's what God intended when he put Adam and Eve together. The two shall become as one. So should we ever expect God's love to be shallow when God defines himself as love itself? The God who defined his love by sending his son in human form to show the depth of his love for us, his only son. Would that God of love be thrilled with continued shallowness? in our relationship with him in the new year? Or would he be thrilled to see you involved in a deeper, more meaningful direction in your life? And that brings us to the last resolution, which I, I can't emphasize this one enough. I've entitled it resolution, New Year's resolution number three, embrace a new relationship in 2024. And what I'm talking about is referring to a brand new relationship with Jesus or a deeper relationship with Jesus or even possibly a deeper, a newer relationship with your new church family 
where maybe you really met Jesus for the first time, or as a result of your fellowship with other believers in this room, you got to know Jesus a little bit better than in previous years. But I'm also asking you to consider this relationship aspect. I'm referring to a spiritually based relationship renewal, a relationship deepening with your spouse, with your children, with another family member, or another brother or sister. So we want to look at, at Jude one more time to see the relationship indicators that he includes in this letter, this love letter. He starts with the word servant that we talked about, and that's important for two reasons. It describes his personal relationship with Jesus. And since his brother James also considers himself a servant, Jude's use of the term also describes the unity of faith that he and his brother share. In the same verse, he elaborates on how that relationship started, which is important for him. At the very start of the letter, the very first thing that he wants his audience to know is that he was called by beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus. The most important relationship in his life is the first thing he wants people to know about who he is. When was the last time we started out an email or a letter or conversation with some kind of spiritual indicator of who we are in the eyes of God? So if you're thinking about relationship issues as you head into 2024, I just really ask you to first start by thinking about your personal relationship with Jesus. Don't make the mistake of thinking about religion when it comes to Jesus. Think about relationships. When true believers talk about their spiritual life, it will always include a description of that relationship with Jesus. Jude realized this. He realized that his brother was not really somebody he wanted to have a relationship with. In spite of the stories that he had heard from Mary that she had might have shared over the years, he just didn't see that Jesus until he was confronted by his risen from the dead brother. And as we leave Jesus behind, the baby Jesus behind in Christmas as the baby Jesus, don't make the same mistake. Okay, yeah, Christmas is over. I'm leaving Jesus in 2023. I'll catch up again in April and again next December. Take Jesus with you into 2024. Take Jesus with you in 2024 and let it make a difference in the depth of your relationship. He also talks about the audience. He starts with his brother. They weren't only just blood brothers, but they, were, they shared a saving faith in the blood of their brother, Jesus. They encouraged each other. They prayed with each other. They studied God's word with each other. That faith-based relationship was a bond that they shared throughout their time as leaders in the church. So here's another resolution suggestion for you. Pick a person who could mutually partner with you for encouragement as you share a new relationship with this person 
based upon your common faith in Jesus. Now, maybe you have that kind of relationship already with somebody, but how can you make that relationship grow in 2024? Iron sharpens iron. We speak into each other's lives with our own faith and faithfulness that can be comforting, encouraging, enlightening. And maybe that person could just be your spouse. It should be your spouse for sure. It could be your son, your daughter. That could be that new deepening spiritual relationship for you in 24. That that family member gets to know you as a believer, not just as a spouse or a dad or a mom. Maybe there's a co-worker that's just waiting to have a brother, sister in the faith. Finally, this epistle of Jude is simply a love letter between believers six times. You heard us use the word love or be loved. And he says, I'm very eager to write to you about our common salvation. He probably never even met most of the people that were reading this letter, but their faith connected them. Their faith, common faith in Jesus, made them a family, a family of God, a church family. We see that same thing today. Now, they're not here this morning to be embarrassed that I'm going to bring this up. And we have one elder in the room that's going to probably tattle on me. But let me see how quickly I can get an answer to this question. How do Pastor Brian, Pastor J.D. often end their messages to us from the pulpit? Say it again. They, they loved us. That's right. And it's more than just words. If you've been around this church for any amount of time, it's not just a, a, a cliche, a throwaway line at the end of the service. And it's the same with Jude. The activity of these false teachers was so damaging and hurt him so much in his heart that they, he just wanted them to heed his warning so that they could literally see souls of family members snatched from the heat of Satan's power. Starting next week, we're going to do 1 Thessalonians followed by 2 Thessalonians. And you're going to see that Paul loved the Gentiles, the Greeks, and the Jews in that congregation in Thessalonica. He loved them. And what you maybe didn't know already, but when you read, which I encourage you to do, they loved him back deeply as members of a congregation. So, the Moravians called this an opportunity, the last day of the year, for covenant renewal. In a few moments, Mike is going to lead us in the sharing of the Lord's Supper. Another opportunity for covenant renewal. To more clearly understand, more deeply understand, what Jesus did for us with his body and his blood. To know Jesus and to make him known it's not just a statement of faith. It actually makes for a very appropriate New Year's resolution for 2024. To know Jesus more deeply in 2024. To make Jesus known more widely in 2024. Trust me, if you pray those kinds of prayers, I'm pretty sure God's going to have an interesting year coming up for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we first of all just give you thanks for the many blessings that you have showered upon us in terms of daily bread, in terms of significant events of 2023 that have changed our lives and created new chapters that we just cherish. Victories that you gave us over challenges in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that you would journey with us uh, throughout the year 2024. Show us how we can grow in our relationship with you. Be present, be involved in our lives. Amen.